Hello and welcome to Wikiwalking. This is a new podcast I'm trialling, something a little bit different, where I sit down and do semi-interviews, I suppose, with other people as we chat about what we're up to, how our lives are going, and also the Wikipedia homepage in front of us, following links, following ideas, following the conversation wherever it leads, to maybe learn a little bit more about each other and ourselves. Maybe some Romans, though. Romans that tend to pop up everywhere. Joining me this week is Heather Lampard from the Bristol Nature Channel. You can find more from them at their website, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. She talks about lots of her links in just a moment. If you want to let us know what you think of the show, then send any ideas, thoughts, comments to at wiki underscore walking on Twitter, wikiwalkingpodcast at gmail.com, or find us at wikiwalking.co.uk. If you'd like to be on the show, then let me know. If you can think of someone else that you'd like to hear on the show, then let me know. Or if you want to hear me talking about something that I have slightly more of a clue about, you can find me on the Eureka Nerd podcast. But that's enough about me. Let's get started with our guest. And welcome to Wikiwalking with me, Will, and uh, joining me for this episode is... Heather Lampard. And uh, where might people know you from, Heather? Well, I'm producer and presenter of the Bristol Nature Channel. We're on YouTube. And I suppose at the time of recording, your most recent video is the Joy of Puffins. Yeah, we launched the video last night. So it's the puffins from Skooma Island in Pembrokeshire. And it's an amazing... Well, if I do say so myself, it's an amazing film. Uh, Jim, my husband, is the filmer. Is that how you call it? I don't really know what the technical term is. Cameraman, that's the one. And editor and director, and he's done a wonderful job. Um, it's really beautiful. It kind of reminds me of Puffin EastEnders. That's how I'm going to plug it anyway. You do have those shots of the water as you're going in. It's not quite the Thames. Wow, well, it's... it's a bit more... Arty, I would say, than EastEnders. <laughs> a bit more arty than EastEnders. It's not the smallest category to put yourself in. No, but... no we do have some ace drone shots of the coast. We want it to be as accurate as possible. The eyes of a puffin. It's not really, is it? I'm not sure just the eyes of a puffin are what people want to see. <laughs> do you, or does the Bristol Nature Channel, have a Wikipedia page? No, we don't. You know what? That's never gone through my mind. Maybe I need one. It might be the next marketing channel of the future. If people want to find out about you, they'll be like, I want to know about them, but I want to be quite sure. That's such a good idea. I don't even know how you create a Wikipedia page. I think you just have to turn up and start going. It's, yeah, maybe. It's all community curated and created, so... Just have a giant picture of mine and Jim's face. And then, hello, this is who um, we are. There might, there might be some words. <laughs> yeah, well. maybe. Well, if we start off with, you know, at the time of recording, there's lots of things on the Wikipedia homepage today, features articles in the news. Is there anything that catches your eye? Oh, goodness. You know what? I've never seen the Wikipedia homepage before. Do you just go straight to the articles? Shocking. Yeah, I do. Okay, right, keep going. Scroll away. Oh, let's see. There's lots of stuff oh, that happened. Glass anemones. I like that one. That living glass anemones can be dissected in the laboratory. Laboratory? Laboratory? Lab. Lab in the lab. That's easy, isn't it? And then put back in the aquarium. Let's go on that one. Where are they here? Let's have a look at glass anemones. I've never heard of these before. I wonder if they're a specific 
subtype of anemone or they're actually most anemones and I've just never known about them? I don't know. We um, When we were filming on Skoma, well, on we were by the shore and we decided to do a little bit of rock pooling just for our own amusement. Mm-hmm. And there were loads of little anemones in in the rock pools and some were in the water some were out and they were beautiful like ruby red color and they're called jewel um anemones which i thought was really really nice it's much easier to say jewel anemone than iptasia pallida pallida yeah something like that iptasia (laughs) pallida or the brown anemone glass anemone or pale anemone but if it was a glass anemone i would presume it was see-through but if it's also called the brown, that's a bit confusing. Uh, let's see. Uh, they might have a whitish translucent column up to an inch long. Oh, what's the column? I'm guessing that's the tubey body bit where oh, all those yeah. tendrils and fronds will attach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a wall of up to 96 variable length tentacles at that. Ooh. Is that, that the picture? It looks like seaweed. Looks like the stuff. It looks kind of like if you've ever seen a star-nosed mole. If you've got a I bunch love of star-nosed moles. They're really cool. There we go. Ooh. Oh, that's exciting. Actually, it is kind of gross now I look at it well. this close. <laughs> it looks like a fur coat that's been left out in the rain. Yeah, it is. Well, like, yeah, actually, that's a really accurate description. A bit shaggy. It looks like half the people coming back from Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see anyone come back from Glastonbury, actually. Usually... <laughs> Did you... they come back from Glastonbury? <laughs> I don't like, know. Maybe they It's never a festival left. <laughs> of a lifetime. Yeah, maybe. But usually you see people just falling asleep on the side of the road waiting for their lift home, don't you? Oh, yeah. I didn't see that this year. I mean, maybe it's nice enough that they just got to stay out a bit longer. It's been quite... We had that dry snap, and then it's been a bit more humid since. But it's been a pretty good summer so far. Yeah, it has. And I guess for them, it was great because there was no rain. Quite gutted I didn't get to go. In fact, I've never been before, which is shocking. To the festival or to the town? To the festival. In fact, have I been to the town? Yes, because we filmed at Glastonbury Tour ah. in, I want to say February. We did Starling Murmurations. So we went to Hamwall, which is a beautiful nature reserve with the RSPB. And over winter, you get thousands upon thousands of starlings uh, roosting at just one site. And obviously they murmurate in the sky. So just before they roost for the night, they gather and they kind of swirl in these giant masses of birds um, for about half an hour and then they all go down at the same time and then sleep. The moment where they all go to roost must be quite a thing to see this oh, it's amazing. teeming cloud of birds descend. Yeah. Oh, it's so noisy, so noisy. And all the reed bed, it just goes black with the birds. This is sounding less appealing by the moment. No, it, it's noisy, amazing. Noisy, it's black, you have to get up <laughs> early. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. The best thing is, though, so many people gather and they're there for ages. And it's just knowing that a natural phenomena has brought all these strangers together and they're all stood there in silence, in pure admiration of this amazing black swirling cloud in the sky that's just made up of thousands and thousands of birds doing something quite extraordinary that science can't fully explain. It is special. Check out our Starling video. (laughs) I've heard when people are trying to come up with, you know, if you want a swarm of AI or robots to work together, then Starlings and their memorations is a good model to use mm. because it's not a thousand individual birds, but yeah. it's one bird with the same patterned behavior. And that's a good idea to follow if you want a swarm of robots. You get exactly. the right conditions and they'll all do the same thing. And people have modeled these memorations 
and they've used it to explain like cell migration, um, how gases and particles move in physics, all kinds of things. It's really amazing. So one bird will copy the behavior of seven birds around it, but there's a, there's a few rules that they all stick to. They make sure that their murmuration is thin and not too dense so that they can always see a patch of sky. And instead of, even though they're copying the behavior of the people, well, the people, the birds around them, they follow the patches of sky that they can see. Huh. And that makes sure that they don't kind of clash in on themselves and destroy the murmuration and also ensures that the murmuration doesn't disperse. It's amazing. That's the top, you know, the newest <laughs> research out there. So Some hot starling news for everyone at home. Yeah, they're gorgeous. They're, a lot of people don't like them, but I love them. I'm trying to remember, I think there's a bush full of starlings near our road. You can oh, hear really? them in the morning just going, Hey! Wake up! Pretty much. Making <laughs> that a actually sounded like a bird. <laughs> don't know what happened there can i suggest a click please it's one of my favorite words i've just seen it is it can you guess zooanthellate no that's that's a pretty good one zooanthellate no dinoflagellates oh that's a good one yeah it's a really i think i like it because of dino everyone loves that well yeah you know dinosaurs okay so (laughs) a symbiotic relationship with dinoflagellates well there's a lot of stuff on the origin of dinoflagellate Dinos for whirling, not for dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, that's quite interesting. I wonder if that's where they got the dino for dinosaur from. Can we wiki that, or is that not that's... part of the rule? Oh, we can go wherever, let's see. Because that oh, would that's... be interesting. There's no click-through for no, there isn't. dinos. Never mind. There's one for the Greek language, but I think that's a, maybe a bit too big to then try and find a single prefix yeah. from. <laughs> that's one for our own personal wiki yeah. search. I'll have to come back to that later. Go on, I want you to pick a word next time. Okay. For a sentence that draws your attention. I mean, there's lots of good words here, like just really satisfying assemblies of letters, Come like on. udinium. Where's that one? Just there, and feasteria. Ah, udinium is quite good. See, my problem here is I can't really pronounce these words. It's, I mean, science is another language <laughs> anyway. Bioluminescence, I like that one. I do have a soft spot for bioluminescence. I do as well. Because it's... It's just neat. I remember there was a pub quiz question I had once when I went back from university to visit friends back home. And the pub quiz question was, what makes the tails of fireflies glow? Mm. <laughs> so I wrote down a quick sentence Amazing. about luciferase enzymes and the you know, uptake and yeah. reappropriation of phosphate energy groups. Apparently that was wrong. The answer they wanted oh. was an enzyme. Very simple. Which just happens to be luciferase, which makes... I, I did argue the point. Oh. I won a single pub quiz point and a lot of disapproving looks from all of the other old men who are just like... Did you use up half an hour of the pub quiz time? <laughs> not half an hour. <laughs> a quarter, maybe. But... <laughs> See, I just remember it by luminescence because um, on my science book at uni were two pigs with luminous snouts, Yeah. Those were in a science communication book I had. Ah, uh, well, maybe that's what I've seen it in. I, don't, I should remember it distinctly. They're talking about, you know, this is an example of gene engineering. Mm. And people looked at it and thought, well, so it's Rise of the Beast Men. Because we've got glow-in-the-dark pics, it's not at all. <gasps> but, you know, the science behind it, really cool. The communication of that science, uh, lacking yeah, somewhat. it is a little bit. I remember reading about bioluminescence that they were engineering because the biggest bioluminescent molecule 
the one that makes everything red, very large. But then you can get it smaller, you can engineer it to be smaller wow. into different colours. Or was it the other round? Hey, well, if we have a look at bioluminescence, we've agreed that's an interesting word to say and it to is. have. And it's your turn to cheese, so. So, yeah, bioluminescent bacteria, invertebrates such as fireflies, luciferase enzyme. Ah, there you go. Pub quiz. <laughs> and let's see. In biotechnology, light production, biology, and ah. medicine. Ooh. While we're here, though, the female glowworm, Lampyris noctiluca. Yeah, that's pretty good. I've never seen one before, have you? No. No, is... you do get them in Bristol. Really? Yeah. Um, there's a few people from the nature community who post photos and stuff all the time, but I've never been lucky enough to go and see one. Ooh, bobtail squid. That's fun. I've seen a map recently comparing like the line of where people in America say fireflies or lightning bugs. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's like 100 miles in oh, diagonally. Wow. Like 80% of the country say lightning bugs, only 20% say fireflies. But I prefer fireflies. Yeah, it's... Like lightning bug. I mean, fireflies is what they are, though. That's mm. They are fireflies. Do we call them fireflies? I've never called them lightning bugs. No. I've always thought glowworm is weird because they're not a worm. Hmm. So, like a fly almost, but there's, not a fly. There's lots of things which aren't what they're called. Like <laughs> red pandas, they're brown oh, raccoons. Yeah. Well, they're kind of gingery. Auburn. Auburn. Auburn pandas. Auburn, another lovely word. <laughs> Let's see here. There's no mention about which came first, red or green. I'm going to guess green. I don't know. Should we do a random click? Yeah, Although we're going to then go into territory that I have no idea about. Well, there's lots of things to click on here. Lots of weird-looking animals. We could read about fireflies specifically, or glowworms, and see if there's any diverging names for them. It's probably a whole bunch of species. <laughs> Just oh, so I like well. jellyfish. Yeah, well, let's read about some jellyfish then. Go for it. Yeah, well, let's go back down to the Hawaiian bobtail jellyfish that we were just looking at. Here we are. Jellyfish. You know there's the difference between, like, something that is alive and something that is sentient. Mm, the same yes. way that you can get away with using mice in yeah. clinical trials, but not people. Yes. Are jellyfish sentient, do you think? Or oh, are they just goodness. reflex? So I've never seen no a jellyfish idea. choose anything. I, don't, I honestly don't know. Well, maybe we'll find out. Yeah, maybe. Because they're just kind of there. They're just a big, angry bag. I know, they are a bit strange. And they're mainly made out of water. Yeah. I've re recently found out, and I don't know how I did, but you know the whole thing about if you get stung, you have to pee on the sting? I've seen that episode of Friends, yes. Oh, have you? <laughs> well, probably everyone has. So apparently... The wee itself doesn't mm -hmm. actually help the sting, but what does is the heat. Oh. So it's the warmth actually deactivates whatever is making the sting. So you could equally pour warm water on yourself. And Which is why people think that weeing on the wound mm -hmm. works, because it's obviously warm. it's warm. Yeah, but it's not the urine itself. That would solve a lot of problems in that episode of Friends. Yeah, I know. But it would have worked, right? How long did it take for someone to challenge that kind of received wisdom of like, oh, just pee on it? 
I don't want to. Can I, I do, know. Can I do anything but pee on it? Who was the first person to pee on someone <laughs> because they <laughs> had a jellyfish thing? Okay, I just said, like, I don't, the sea has attacked I know. Me. What do I do? <laughs> uh, I've got this. I really need a wee. Should we see if that works? Who knows? Maybe it was just like a fear wee and they were stung. It's like, oh, yeah. I've been stung. Oh, oh but that's it his, feels so good. This is getting better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I know a few friends actually who have had to pee on people or people have peed on them because they've been stung by a jellyfish. As long as that's the only reason that you know these people have been peed on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, really... moving on. <laughs> yeah, let's not look at the Wikipedia let's not page. Let's go down further. that route. No. Oh dear. Medusazoa. If you're going to belong to any phylum, Medusazoa is a good one to be. Now, let's see if we can find out about them. Life history and behavior. Maybe this will say if they're alive or. I have no idea. What is the definition of a sentient being? Now, let's do a quick search in the page for. No, there's nothing for sentient. How about alive? <laughs> Anything for brain? Do they have brains? I mean, sensory physiology, brainless mm, eyes. They have a nervous system, probably, rather than... Well, I don't know. Yes, anatomy, nervous system, there we go. A loose network of nerves located in the skin called a nerve net. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it is a brain. There's lots of things which have a decentralised brain, like um, brittle stars, sea stars. They have brains just throughout their whole body and legs. Octopi and squid have decentralized brains as well but then what constitutes a brain i think that's a bigger question than i can answer right now yeah i know <laughs> i mean just the bit where most it's of too the late in the day done, for that type you know. of question <laughs> i don't know but i like nerve net mm. that and the ropalial pet what's that it is oh located at the rim of the jellyfish body oh is that that weird thing at the top Maybe like, you know when you see them washed up and you... You can see the... Yeah. yeah, it's like denser and thicker, isn't it, mm. than the rest of them? I've only seen jellyfish in the wild once. When yeah. I was actually in Copenhagen, of all places. I was there for a conference and work arranged me to stay on a houseboat because they didn't read the Airbnb <laughs> listing well enough. They thought it was just a nice-looking room. They didn't realise it was going to get painfully cold. Cause oh, it's, I can imagine. Uh, so cool. But um, yeah, in the water, which the bridge sunk into as we walked across to get onto the houseboat, there was just these little lights in the water, something reflecting in there. Oh, no. This little kind of four-leaf clover-looking thing. I was like, that's the top of a jellyfish. And it was glowing bioluminescent. Well, it's just reflecting, oh, I think, okay. but it certainly stood out. Oh, wow. Like... I've never seen them wild in the ocean. Mm. I've only ever seen them washed up on the beach. Which is maybe the worst place to see them. That's... Wow. I remember when I went to Australia and we were snorkeling mm. and we had had to wear stinger suits. Oh, is and that different to a wetsuit? Y well, yeah. They're, they're thinner. It's just to protect you, I think. Okay. But it wasn't because of the big ones. It was because of the tiny ones that you could barely see. Oh. And apparently they're all over the place. And I was really worried that I was going to get stung. Cause sometimes you got stung and you wouldn't even know because you couldn't see anything. But um, I didn't, luckily. And I didn't see. Because they have box jellyfish, I think. Oh, and those are the mm. the bad ones. Yeah. There's a bit here on size. And yeah, one millimetre in bell height to nearly two metres. <laughs> Imagine that. I wonder when they evolved. Like, were they around when 
um is it trilobites were they around then well, let's see if we evolution down to taxonomy that's all about the families so there's their life cycles okay life span i have heard there are some jellyfish that can revert to a polyp stage at whim just like if things start changing i'm like i'm done with being this grown up i'm going to become is that like stress situations yeah like they just revert to a toddler stage oh, basically imagine if we could do that oh i'm having a terrible time at work so <laughs> sorry I'm gonna... I'm gonna go back to preschool yeah <laughs> i'm four years old now yeah here it is a professor at the Seto Marine Biology Laboratory in Kyoto University in Japan has concluded there are three species of jellyfish that are immortal and says their immortality may hold the key to immortality for human beings, saying they're genetically not... I mean, he says they're not genetically very different from humans, but they seem very phylogenically different from human yes. beings. But isn't there that amazing fact about bananas where we share like 95% of our DNA with them or something? I, I can imagine, probably. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in DNA that we're not using. There's a lot of stuff in... I mean, potatoes have twice as many chromosomes as us. Yeah, and what they are they do. using it for? <laughs> That's the question. And I think in, like with men, because you have an X and a Y, whereas women have two Xs, but mm -hmm. the Y is all junk. Is it? That's what I heard. I thought the Y was very important, and that's how you end up with things like um, colour blindness being predominantly oh, in males. Oh, maybe I got that fact wrong. <laughs> Shall we Google it? Go on, do it. I mean, we are right here. Is the Y chromosome junk? Assume it's page. You've got me thinking about making my own wiki page now. I, can't, like... I mean, if you've got Snapchat and Instagram and everything else, why not Wikipedia? Oh, yeah. I don't have Snapchat. I don't really understand how it works. Was that not what you're taking the picture of then no that was instagram stories so it just happens to look exactly like yeah. snapchat and work like it so um, it's there for a limited apparently. time yeah i thought that was the whole i love it <laughs> but can, but can you edit so on instagram stories you add like pictures words can you do that with snapchat yeah oh okay <laughs> i think they've probably, i wouldn't know i think they've mugged that off snapchat aren't they owned by the same company probably i don't know I love it though. It's like my favorite thing at the moment. But then you have to remember to actually post a photo on the Instagram feed. You see, I've stories. got a personal Tumblr account which I hardly ever post to, but I do just Never sit there. Never had Tumblr. I just roll through everyone else's stuff. I am yeah. a consumer. Oh yeah, not a creator. I, that's how I used to be. So before we launched the Bristol Nature Channel, I was not a social media person. Hmm. I had Facebook. And I had Instagram and I hardly posted anything. I just looked at everyone else's stuff. But now I've had to be a creator and I have to do it like every day. It's quite a lot of work. Yeah, I spend a lot of time looking at Twitter. Mm. And I don't want to really anymore. No. It's full of just awful people and robots. Oh, and I want good people and robots. Depends what community you're in. I've got a lot of nature people and they're all lovely. And people post the most wonderful photos and... It really inspires me to go out and have a look at, for these animals and insects and stuff and mm. share it. And I've learned so much, like especially so I really want to improve my botany skills oh, yeah. to improve my flower identification. And I have all because of Twitter, not through books and barely the Internet, mainly Twitter. So I've got a lot to thank it for. And I do. I do enjoy it. But it takes up so much time. Yeah. 
a lot of brain space as well just like yeah just, it's nice to put it down sometimes well jim and i we spent the whole weekend just working on the puffin video and it got to like four o'clock we were like okay we have to go outside so we went for a walk to get a little bit of nature therapy and it was lovely i had a great time but i realized at the end i was just on my phone constantly mm. taking photos doing instagram stories and stuff for the channel it was just there was no stop there was yeah. no end point you got to make sure you have some you time and actually turn your phone off yeah eventually Not eventually like, it's 21st century it's what I it's mean, all about <laughs> right now i'm using it to do this so well yeah yeah, yeah it's fun Anyway, here we are at the Y chromosome page. With a 30% difference in humans and chimpanzees, the Y chromosome is one of the most fastest evolving parts of the human. Ah. I thought it was shrinking. Esterization molecules in food and diet was leading to the diminishing scale and capability of the human, uh, human Y chromosome. Goodness, no idea. Hmm. Is there anything? I don't even know where we'd go to find out. Future evolution. Let's mm, click down here. Do that one. Or genes, maybe, because if it was junk, then there wouldn't be genes. Maybe. But the fact that there's a title saying genes <laughs> makes me think that actually... Degeneration, genetic drift. Further down, further down. There nice. you go. The human Y chromosome. A whole category on the genes of the human Y chromosome. I can't, it's been so long since I've done my biology degree. I can't remember any of, any of these words. Unless I've, it's some form of animal. <laughs> I have no I've idea. I've forgotten more than I ever learned. Like, oh, I'm running no a deficit. Idea. Well, looking at all the things that happen on the Y chromosome, we've got... Yeah, I think it disproves my point quite well. <laughs> we've got the testis determining factor, which makes wow. sense. Yeah. Lots of acronyms. I swear my lecturer said it was full of junk. But you know what? That's like, what, 10 years ago? <laughs> Lots of things have changed since then. I mean, oh, we've yeah. discovered a whole other organ Yes, we then. have. What was that? Was it part of the stomach or something? Yes, I think it was the mesentery is now its oh, own so... discrete organ. We've discovered a new bit of the knee as well. Yes, I heard about that. Which you'd think they would have found ages ago when they were like doing all of the yeah. healing and stuff, like even in the Renaissance. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess if it looks like it's attached, I don't know. It's quite exciting though, isn't Tell it? What, if there's a Still link to the... To we can find a link to the human body in this article. We can see if there's any... Yeah, humans. <laughs> What's it going to bring up now? I feel like humans should be either the longest or shortest Wikipedia page. <laughs> it just says, you? You? Question mark? Nothing else? That'll be the end of this podcast. Mm. Anatomical adaptations, anatomy and physiology. There we go. Oh, there's actual naked people. I wasn't expecting that. Oh, there's all kinds of weird stuff on Wikipedia. Like there's instructional articles. It's basically its really? own Kama Sutra. Yeah. Well, I thought it was quite P... Is it P... It's not PC. PG. That's the one I'm going for. As... I mean, there's stuff out there. Like, <laughs> I mean, we've already said anyone can make a Wikipedia page. Oh, goodness. 2017. As of July 2017, no other celestial bodies been visited by humans. We're not after celestial bodies. So who edits wiki pages? Everyone. Everyone. But what if they're not reliable? And they post, like, wrong information. Like me, I could have posted on there, oh, the Y chromosome has nothing in it, which is you, completely wrong. You would be free to, but then there's the uh, supportive community of authors who oh, I see. Like, check, like, everything that has happened can be checked 
any changes can be checked and corrected. But they might miss one. They might miss one. Yeah. This is true. That's why I'm sure there's lots of politicians and actors out there who have falsified information, like they have three knees or something. <laughs> or... Which is why in uni they were like, cannot reference wiki. You have to reference the reference of wiki if you're going to use it. More naked people. Oh, yeah. But it's the same naked people. I guess it was just the same day in the shooters. Like, okay, we need a pictures of human bodies and then some more human bodies. Can you click on trunk? <laughs> <gasps> no, that is that like... I, I don't think it. they mean trunk like you mean trunk. Okay. <laughs> I think they mean... Yeah, no, the, it is. The torso, oh, no, the not. thorax. Okay. Just because there's a bit of his trunk in that picture. <laughs> I'm going to have to flag this as an explicit podcast now, you no, know. No, please don't. I'm not that one. <laughs> I'm PG, really. Yeah, so we got trunk, torso, thorax, abdomen. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Nothing Nothing else. bad. Okay. I love that that's... You know what? I saw it because I recognised the word and I was thinking, you know, in terms of a tree. Mm-hmm. But no. <laughs> well, let's have a look at trunk disambiguation. How many trunks there might be. Uh, trunk luggage. Trunk oh. software. Oh. Virtual LAN. A trunk port. What's a trunk port? I guess that's if you're plugging a lot of cables into something. Trunk shot. That's fun. Where's that? An auto trunk camera work. At this point, I think uh, Jim's cameraman expertise (laughs) might tell us a bit more about what a trunk shot is. Do you happen to know? We're looking at him and he's shaking his head. No, that's... uh... Outrageous. You should know this, Jim. Let's find out. A trunk shot. Ah, it's a shot from a trunk. It's the Quentin Tarantino classic of filming someone from the boot of a car. Oh. So they open the trunk, and there you are. Can't really bring that into the Bristol Nature Channel, can I? (laughs) Just, (laughs) hello, I've abducted you and taken you to Scoma. Here's a puffin, back in the boot with you. You'll love it, I swear. I wonder where the disambiguation between trunk and boot comes from, in, like, American Yeah, I don't know. Can we... Look at that. Yeah, we've got the trunk of a car. Trunk. Maybe Go it comes it. from Click the trunk luggage. Boot for British. Mm-hmm. Main storage compartment. Does it say anything about it? Etymology. Usage of the trunk comes from the large travelling chest ah. that would be placed upon. The boot comes from the built-in compartment of the horse-drawn coach for... <laughs> so yeah, it's where you put your boots or your trunks or your dickies, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I've never heard of it referred to as a dicky before I've heard lots of things referred to along uh, similar lines But never well, I'll start using it from now on <laughs> Like, oh, just pop that in the dicky yeah. <laughs> And the famous Quentin Tarantino cinematography use of the dicky shot Yeah. I'm not sure that's going to go quite the way you want it to <laughs> Probably I'm not, sure not. Catch on. I have heard of this, though The inside trunk release that Cars made since 2002 in the US, there's a handle you can pull to get out from the inside. Ooh. What, just in case someone has... Bundled you in there. And it says, hang on. Once in the trunk, they may not be able to get out, even if they entered through the interior, because many rear seats only release to the trunk of the interior from the inside of the passenger area. So even if you come in, like, you fold down the seats to get in, you might be able to... you might get stuck. Hmm. But now a glow-in-the-dark inside trunk release is required in the US. Wow. Must be a lot of people getting trapped in trunks. 
I wonder if we can find out how many people get put in trunks. That's probably not under safety. No, <laughs> definitely not. I don't think it's that type of article. So if I search, nothing. Trunk crime. Trunk. That what you... <laughs> I'm going to see if there's like for criminal use or abduction. Go on, type in trunk crime. Well, if I search Wikipedia for trunk crime. Yeah. Yeah, don't normal Google search that. Trunk crime. There oh, is an entry no, for trunk I crime. I if I want to see this. Also for trunk creep. Go on, press enter. Trunk crime is a 1939 ah. British thriller film directed <laughs> by Roy Bolting. Oh, there's some great names in this. I don't know many of them, but mm. Manning Wiley, mm. Barbara Everest. Everest. Hey, Petrie. I have no idea. What, what is it about? Cass reference? Oh, it doesn't have any yeah. information. We've got the IMDb entry. How about other films directed by the Bolting brothers, like Seven Days to Noon? Seagulls over Sorrento. Suspect. All right, can we click on Seagulls? Let's have a look at Seagulls over Sorrento. Gene Kelly, Crest of the Wave. <laughs> How many names? I was released oh, as Crest of the so Wave. So dull. I'm not going to lie. This is where all diehard film fans will just stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, maybe they can listen to our 20 minute discuss on uh, Taken again, go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the plot sounds like it should be gripping enough. A small group of British sailors stationed on a Scottish island engaged in top-secret research on a new and dangerous torpedo are joined by Scottish U.S. Navy scientists. Scottish to American. <laughs> <sighs> the naming for Gene Kelly in Seagull Service Rento is the most uninspired name I've seen in all of film history. <laughs> Lieutenant Brad Bradville. It's a bit samey, isn't it? Did he just have all of his shirts made? To say Brad and like Brad, Brad, maybe. Can we click on Gene Kelly? Is that Gene Kelly there? That that I guess that's Gene Kelly. And is Gene Kelly the guy? He's not, but I'm gonna say it anyway. The guy who did Singing in the Rain. I want to say yes. I don't think it is. Yes, it is. Singing no in the way rain. I got that right. I'm rubbish with this that kind of thing. That is a very different face. If we look between the two pictures of Seagulls over Sorrento or Crashing the Wave, this picture of Gene Kelly in 1943. That's, oh, he looks older. I mean, he is by a oh. whole... But ten yeah, years shouldn't do that to a man's face. Well, yeah, but he looks like he's in a little bit of distress in that picture, which is part of the whole film. Oh, that's I a guess. different film. Oh, he's got a different name, two names. Oh, he's got two. That's mm. weird. So, uh, yes, when they're talking about torpedo test with Brad Bradfill, then this is the face you get. But if you want singing in the rain, Gene Kelly, then this charming fellow. I love fellow. singing in the rain. And he looks gorgeous there. It really reminds me. So the other day there was a post on Facebook uh, mm -hmm. of a lady who, she's in America, no, sorry, in Canada somewhere. And she puts false colour on old black, have you seen it? On black and white photos. Yeah, she goes through and recolorizes. Yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, the article which the BBC reposted, I think, um, started off with one picture to draw you in. And it was a man and he looked gorgeous. Okay. And they asked the public, like, what era do you think this is? And everyone was like, now? 60s? And it wasn't. It was someone who was part of the plot in the 1800s. Oh, like an assassination attempt. Yeah. I want to say Franklin, but I don't think it is. I think Franklin came... The guy after. with the top hat. Lincoln. Lincoln. He was part of the Lincoln plot. Wow. 
Yeah, and so when they showed the original, it's from, you know, 18-something, and he's, like, there with his hands cuffed, and he was... He was hanged and everything. And I like I can't believe that just having that colour, he looks like someone walking down the street. He looks really modern, like his hair's floppy and really cool. He's really beautiful like a model and he's wearing clothes that you could imagine, well, that look like clothes you could imagine people wearing I mean, now. vintage is in. Well, yeah. I, it feels like a mean bait and switch for the BBC like oh what do you think of this attractive man he's a crim he's a criminal he's a criminal. he tried to mil- kill a president a hundred years ago shame on you I wonder why let's, let's google that like why did why okay. were they doing that was he a, Come a back nasty to you, president Mr. Kelly. Lincoln he's probably one of the top presidents as far as but this, he was really young this boy I'm gonna call him this assassin this assassin um and he looked so innocent, just sat there, leaning against the wall with his arms handcuffed. Yeah, I don't know why, but it really, like, just looking at that photo, I'm going to say affected me in some way, but it clearly hasn't had that much of a dramatic in... Well, it's stuck with you. Well, yeah, it's, it's made impact. me curious, looking at old photos, because I've got such an, an active imagination. I love just thinking about who they are and what they were like. And the fact that they were, were alive so long ago and and then putting colour on it, it's like they are here today. It's mm. just really strange. I have heard from um, older generations that growing up with TV in black and white, they started to dream in black and white. Because no if that's the main input, yeah, yeah. that's where you're getting all of like the media, that's where all of your most exciting imaginative stimulation is coming from, then that's how that eventually comes back out. Have you ever dreamed, dreamt? In black and white. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I've heard it said that everyone dreams in black and white, but I distinctly remember colours. Yeah. This might have just been like some received wisdom from the black and white TV era that people started getting interested in, like psychology and dreams mm. around the same time, like mid 50s, 60s. Like, yeah, black and white, I guess. I had a dream the other night and it was in a house, like a weird haunted house, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. I'd been there before in a previous dream, like years ago, and it's really odd. Like the house was exactly the same, just the story was different. And that, I get that all the time. I have had recurring dreams as well. I've had one like it's the zombie apocalypse. Zombies are there, except like all of the damage from the last time it happened is there. Yeah. I've had that. So like we yeah. try to go up to a door, like no, we locked that one from the inside last time. We can't get in. Oh, we yeah, destroyed yeah, those stairs. We can't get. I had one where it was a zombie apocalypse, and we were in a like a a mini bus mm-hmm. and the zombies were trying to get in they smash all the windows and stuff and then i had the dream again but we went past the bus ah. and it was all smashed up from the last time it's really weird isn't it what your imagination does some people's imagination leads them to assassinating a u.s president <laughs> yes indeed i mean there's no it must say something about the assassination plot in here oh i am certain it does like he's a very well, I mean, this is the introduction, and mm, it's, it's very long. hundreds of words, because he's, you know, a very popular president. <laughs> what with that whole ending slavery thing. Mm, yes. Which might lead, then, somewhat into the Aha, assassination got and it. funeral. Yes, assassinated by John Wilkes Booth on Good Friday, 1865. So this boy, mm-hmm. I think he was... I don't know. But anyway, he failed... Ah. I think, because it said it was part of the attempted, so... 
I think if we search for attempts, then that might lead us to your man. Oh. I've uh, assisted no. attempts to recruit him <laughs> to the party. Attempts at a compromise. Emancipation attempts. Know. Maybe. Let's try for failed then. No, no signs of a failed assassination. Just the one that took. <laughs> Can't remember his name. I'll tell you what. I have an idea because I've heard the colorization of photos being done with egg albumin. Oh, this lady does it dig digitally. Oh goodness, I can't speak now. Albu, try for albumin photo. Albumin photograph, that might be what I'm thinking of. I don't know, these are, it was old photos were put together with albumin from egg whites. Oh, I see. So a what piece they... of paper. Usually 100% cotton. I feel like that's not paper if it's 100% cotton. That's cotton. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Coated with a notion of egg white and silver. They always use silver. Well, used to use silver, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Do they use it now? Yeah, let's have a look. Photographic print. There's silver there. I think silver is the go-to element for print, well, film photography. Yes, I guess so. I wonder if you can you type in um, coloured old I don't know what would you say old photographs that have been coloured I wish I remembered her name that's it recolored maybe put old photographs let's see recolored photographs we got Doctor Who missing episodes <laughs> Ernst Udet Antiques Roadshow there's no sign of them on Wikipedia. Go on, go on, Antiques Roadshow. I haven't seen it in years. Well, there's lots of years in which you could see it. It's been out since 1979. Whoa, that's so long ago! Now in its 39th series. Well, Blimey. I always wonder, like, at some point will there be... No, <laughs> I was about to say something really silly, so I'm not going to say it. Well, it's going to be like Pokemon cards on <laughs> Antiques Roadshow or something. Oh, there would be, wouldn't there? I remember when Pokemon first came out and I had a plastic Pokeball and you opened it up and it was like a little Game Boy, but all you could do was catch a Pokemon. Like, there was nothing you could really do on it. Like One game lasted one minute and then yeah. you just repeated it. But I loved it so much. I don't think we're likely to find any Pokemon entries in this Antiques Roadshow, but I'm sure... <laughs> That there will be something like there's got to be like a Pokemon of its time. There's got to be some craze like um, the marbles that you would get. Yeah. In bottles. I remember those. They were like clear, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's where the now almost forgotten phrase "codswallop" comes from. Uh, there'd be, you know, these bottles from the Cod's bottlery. Wherever these bottles came from had the Cod's branding on them, and the marble which would stop the contents from spilling and you could drink out of it but you'd only get a bit because the marble would get in the way if you wanted that marble out to play with you'd whack it cod swallow no way mm -hmm. that's cool i remember drinking a bottle and there was a little marble in it once it came from america or something i've seen them in japanese mm. sodas as well yeah quite fun i used to love marbles but i didn't play the game i just collected them because yeah. i like the shiny the pearl ones they were the ones that you really wanted like, all, all the ball bearings. We had a lot of marbles, me and my brother growing mm. up. And then 
at some point one of them broke and my brother stepped on it and had just this big <laughs> shard of glass in his toe and we That's put them... quite impressive that you could break I mean we slung them around okay like it's, it's marbles clacking into each other there's a lot of force there yeah we yeah. used to at the weekend um this is when I lived up in Durham and I was quite young we used to go to the toy shop and we would be able to just buy a marble with our pocket money a marble <laughs> um, a marble no there was probably several marbles <laughs> but I remember the toy shop had a loads of kind of boxes that you could get like pick a mix of mm. marbles I loved it that sounds delightful yeah it was really nice uh, I've seen some of the things done for the uh, tabletop gaming community you know, like oh, a yeah. pick a mix but for dice oh cool so you get all the different colours and the different yeah, sides yeah. and you can just dig in oh that's nice it's like the lego stores you can go in and you can select your bricks oh have you never come across that I've, I've not done lego in a very long time there's yeah there's loads you go in and it's just like pick a mix trays kind hmm. of thing. And you have like a scoop and you can pick up a bag and you pick but and mix was, your bricks. I was always the worst part of Lego is that you'd break it down into bricks, they'd go in the box and then yeah. you wanted to build something. Where's that brick? It's somewhere amongst the other 72 trillion that are in this little tub. I never had Lego when I was a kid. Oh, we were Mega Bloks kid. Wait, what's a Mega Bloks? Mega Bloks were like, the, I'm okay, going to go to Wikipedia <laughs> for Mega Bloks. I kind of played outside mainly to be honest <laughs> thanks for making me feel even nerdier than i already am wait i did have a car mat i really enjoyed that oh everyone had the like the rug with the roads yeah and... oh my god i love that so much and i used to have a little green mini drive that around it was great had to stick to the the code of the road <laughs> oh yeah like on the left you'd yeah yeah pause the traffic lights loved and... it i used to do like three three point turns I mean, with the view from your window, you could do the same. You just like, I know, just pretend it. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Mega blocks were very similar to Legos, except they were much bigger. Like rather than having lots of little oh. dips, like they'd be like thumb-sized protrusions. Oh no, we didn't have that. We used to. <laughs> now I assure you, my mum supplied a lot of toys, mm -hmm. but we used to just get a plastic bag and attach a string to it. And then go out and pretend, try and make it fly like a kite. <laughs> that, that's what we did. As your mum stood there in the doorway going, the kite is here. We've got you, yeah. this kite. <laughs> Loved it. We got... Played with the barrel that we had as well. It was great. <laughs> Sounds like a very, <laughs> a very idyllic childhood. Yeah, we, we were always outside. The one thing, though, that I absolutely loved and I collected was Puppy in My Pocket. Is that... Anything you, like Polly Pocket? You can't, well, no. Because Polly and My Pocket were in little... Enclosures. Yeah, I love them as well. But Puppy and My Pocket was just a plastic dog. It was like an accurate dog breed or whatever. And you'd get it for free in your cereals. But then they kind of took off and you could then buy packs. And then you could buy teddies. And I fell in love with them. And you got top trump cards with your puppies. So you could play your top trumps. But I just made dog you know imaginative dog games the only um, entry for puppy in my pocket is the italian tv series oh, adventures in sad. pocketville <laughs> i love them i had like a whole little barrel full of them i was obsessed and we had well i sorry i had it was a bichon frise <laughs> on a pink cushion and obviously it's plastic and it, it was called like 
foo-foo or something like that fluffy <laughs> and um i loved it so much i was like mum i really want a real bichon frise and i was obsessed i don't and think i could say the word bichon frise until i was 12 well i, well, I probably was about 12 i don't know but um yeah we got one you got one yeah my mum was like she, fell in love. she saw one in a real dog book because yeah. that's what i used to ask and i got one for christmas a big dog book and yeah my mum and dad fell in love with with the Bichon. And then coincidentally, we walked past one in like Durham city center, which is where I was, I was born. And, and stole um, it, stole it we from stole the We stole it, no, we really didn't. But um, everyone fell in love with it. And we had a Bichon Frise called Jasper, which was like a lovely fluffy cloud. And in fact, all my school friends know Jasper as the cloud. My neighbors had a dog called Jasper growing up. Oh, really? Jasper and Sam, they were- So cute. Alsatians, I think they were. Oh, wow. Not at all as fluffy, but every inch the big, bumbling, goofy dog you'd yeah. want your neighbours to have. Do you know what Bichon looks like? They're just like, kind of like the giant hamsters. No, a what hamster. am I thinking? Like, you know those really hairy hamsters, except taller? No, they're, they're white. They've got like afro hair, and traditionally they have like a proper afro, like a big bouffant. Oh, there, oh yeah. wow. See? Oh, that's... They're great. And so you, when you brush the dog, okay, mm -hmm. because of the way the hair grows, if you brush it from the tail to the head, it kind of goes frizzy and it you adds back to the... You backcomb your dog. Yeah, you backcomb the dog. That's the way you brush a Bichon <laughs> and you make them really, really fluffy and fuzzy and they're so good. And then they've got this like pig's tail with long hair coming off it. But they've got the best personalities ever they're so cute i love them i mean this one's in the picture here it's got a perfectly circular head yeah it's great it's like a dog i remember being there child. for hours back combing the head so it was just this massive ball <laughs> oh, see that that's an unkept bichon frise i mean it's it's when, much smaller it's much closer cut yeah when jasper got a bit knotty that he'd end up like that shaved a bit like sean the sheep it looks like it's... Um, it's a bit sad, that dog, actually. Maybe it's just because it doesn't have quite the circular face. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe it got wet and it all just... When the dog got wet, that's the thing. Did it just They, they went in? into... Come on. Oh. I don't know, or, or actually. They went more tighter curls. Okay. Yeah. But they're just so cute. And they're always on crafts and they never win, which I don't understand because they are like the most amazing dog in the world. And the, the trend now, because obviously every, everyone wants, like, poodle crosses. Mm. But you can do a poodle bichon cross. And you can do a Maltese and bichon Pouchon? cross. And that's called a, yeah, pouchon. And a Maltese bichon cross is a multichon. They're cute. But they're not as afro. They're more, like, smoother hair. When I was working as an English teacher in South Korea, there was a book that we were working from. And this was, you know, for a class of nine to ten-year-olds. It was about a... It was a crime at a dog show. Someone shaved a competitor dog. <laughs> and um, I had to try and explain to a class full of people whose English, like I was trying to encourage and improve, but it's not their first language, what a Labradoodle was. <laughs> in a language which... I, I always spat my drink out then. <laughs> the I L and that. R in Korea is the same letter. Oh, like really? The character, like, so Labradoodle, trying to communicate that when they're like, there's a lot of L's in that. We've, we didn't learn to say L's until we were six or seven. This is going to be a struggle. Oh, wow. Yeah. I l see, I really, really, really 
want a cockapoo and I've been pestering Jim but I'm not allowed one because we can't have one in our flat and we both work full time no. I really want a cockapoo though okay I'm going to diverge from Wikipedia here I'm going to look up what a cockapoo <gasps> is going off off the game just so I know what a cockapoo looks like well you'll fall in love it's like a teddy bear Oh, that is... Oh, it's just unbelievably cute. That, that's just the doggest dog I've ever... Like, that is... Oh, it embodies just... everything of a dog. Yeah, it embodies happiness. So <laughs> you get the best of everything. So they don't lose their fur because mm-hmm. they've got the poodle in them. And then you've got the happy character of the cock- cockerel? Hang on. <laughs> oh, no. Cocker spaniel, that's the one. <laughs> I mean, if there's Off a bit the of... cockerel, imagine. Yeah, just it, sat on the doghouse first thing in the morning. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. This one with the tongue hanging out. Oh, that is... I wouldn't... See, I would love a golden one or a brown one. Apricot and chocolate. Yeah. Oh. And that kind of there. Schnoodle. That's another one, which is... What type of dog's that? Can you guess? A schnauzer poodle? Yes. Got it. They're great. They're like oh. a cockapoo, but their hair's not as curly. But they're wonderful. I was walking to work and um, I didn't even know they existed. And I thought, oh, oh, they're that's, great. That's a very dog dog. Oh, it's gorgeous. And they're lovely and luscious and black. But yeah, I saw a puppy schnoodle and it was jumping up at my feet. And it's just, oh, I'm Will, a bit Will's in love. Gone, you've gone doe-eyed. That's, I, if you were to ask a child to describe a dog, draw a dog, like put a dog together out of these animal parts, they would make... A cockapoo or a schnoodle. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? They're so cute. But because they're like crossbreeds, you have to make sure that you have... So, okay, if you have the original parents, you've got the cockapoo and the poodle, you have your F1 generation Mm -hmm. of puppies, they're fine. But if you have F2, so if you have a cockapoo and a cockapoo, or a cockapoo and a poodle... This is where Punnett squares come into play. Yeah. Oh, dear. And they have health problems, which is quite sad. Which is what you get with, like, um, the previous generation of pugs. Yeah. Aren't they... Haven't they made a new breed that Mm. has a longer nose? Yes, the uh, retro pug. Is that what it's called? That's not it, is it? Oh, it's a schnoodle. I should know that. Although I've never seen a white schnoodle before. Retro pub. pub. Oh no. Can't I can't speak today. Like What's going pub. on? <laughs> the next thing will be the retro pub. You come in, people are smoking, yep. drinking oh, no. watered down ale. No one likes you. It's the next big craze. <laughs> Let's see. Retro pug. Where does that take us? No, Mitsubishi it's not there Pajero yet. Jr. I don't have to try for regular pugs then. Yeah. I mean, pugs are cute, but it's... It is sad, and it's not very fair on the mm-hmm. dog because it can't breathe, and it has so many problems. Yeah. But they are funny, aren't they? Yeah, they are an unfortunate animal. <laughs> I mean, if you look at this one in 1745... That doesn't... That looks more kind of bulldoggy like Yeah. Oh, look, is that? That's Princess oh, Ekaterina Dmitrievna... Golitsnaya in 1759. And hers does look a bit more puggish than William Hogarth's does. That looks more like a, um, oh, what are they called with the big, long French French bulldog? Like a very closely shaved French bulldog. Yeah. Well, Mm. French bulldogs are closely. Like that really short. Yeah, but this one's, like someone's gone at that with Mm. a straight razor. And a bat. 
So that's more the artist's mm. <laughs> that's, interpretation. Yeah, we'll have to leave that up to um, William Hogarth. Oh, don't tell people, because it's probably like an iconic image. Or William Hogarth. It? I'm sure no one cares so much for William Hogarth from 1745. Like, if there are any living descendants of William Hogarth, like, we will defend our great-great-great-great-grandfather's be... <laughs> Then I, that'll be my email to deal with. Oh, there you go. <laughs> This is what the modern pugs look much more like now. This painting from 1802 of a male pug. Really? They've got that, that snout again that's come back. Wow. That's good. And they've, they've still got the rolls on the back, that one. Mm. I mean, the children of Marquis de Bethune, I mean, they look much weirder than the dog does. Yeah, they do, don't they? It's uh, almost that cherub kind of yeah. look. It's also, the scale is so weird. Like, what is this weird guitar they've got? And why have they got old grey hair? I'm guessing that was just the style at the time. Like, just cover your kids in lead. Just yeah, wipe them lead. with lead and put some cochineal beetle on their cheeks to plump those up. Do you watch Versailles? No. So Versailles is about King Louis the someone. <laughs> There's a few. There's a few. Uh, back from. in the day. But yeah. he had a brother and... Mm-hmm. The brother was always dressed in a dress okay. and painted it in a dress. Um, and they think, even though the, he was clearly gay, mm-hmm. um, or bi, I'm not entirely sure actually, they think that they did it to demasculinize him to mm. everybody else's eyes so he wouldn't fight his brother for the throne. Uh-huh. Or at least if he wanted to, then he wouldn't have the support because oh, yeah. how can he be a legitimate king if... You're not the physical embodiment of masculinity that we demand yeah. in but whenever. it's funny because he used to, in his adult life, wear a dress and heels and dress up as a woman. Mm. And he openly had like male lovers. Um, he was actually an incredible war hero. And he was recognized at the time for being an amazing war hero and being really brave. And yeah, it's cool. I got that from the show Versailles, which is, again, <laughs> just as good. <laughs> Oh, look at that. A pug by Kyle Reichert. But yeah, that's got a long nose, hasn't it? Mm. That's a photograph from the 1900s. Has that got a squished nose? Note the small head and long legs. Oh yeah, that's... It has a longer... It's got that tongue poking out, which you always find pugs doing. I feel like lots of modern pugs are losing their leg height as well. Yes, they're getting more dinky, like a dachshund, aren't they? Yeah. Hmm. We were at the um, Pride Dog Show last weekend, or the weekend before. Oh my god, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, it was. I a, would have so gone if I knew. Um, there was. I a, bet there were cockapoos there. There probably were. There's a lot of dogs. There was one woman with an Irish wolfhound, Ooh. which you know it's the size of most of the other people attending, and everyone came along <laughs> to say, "Excuse me, do you know that your dog is huge? I, <laughs> it's important to me that you know that's a big dog." And she's like, "But you rarely see them." And so it's always surprising, even though you know that they're really big. That's what I think anyway, because I rarely see them. On the other end of things, there was a tiny, tiny puppy. Like the the tiniest puppy. I think its photo is in the Bristol Post write-up of the dog show. Uh And it had two goth mums. And it was called Bones. Oh, that's so cute. It was adorable. That is cute. And there was a couple of pugs as well. One um, British bulldog that was just all over the shop. Like... I like bulldogs. Paws inward, tongue lolling everywhere, mm-hmm. clearly having a lovely time. 
unable to restrain its urination. It was oh god, yeah. <laughs> There's um a lady who mm. walks down my street, and I've seen her at, at least once a week since I've lived in this flat, which is three and a half years, mm-hmm. and she had had a little terrier. Oh. And this, like, mutt. That's the only way I can describe it. I have no idea what breed it was. But it was, like, so disheveled and long hair. And um, all of a sudden, the terrier's gone. And I think it, like, has died, yeah. Mm. And once, it went for a long time. And then I saw her wheeling it in, like, a pushchair. And then the raggy dog was walking alongside. Then all of a sudden, I've just never seen it again and that, i think it's gone that sounds like the dog is yeah it's uh, gone to the farm i just oh it made friends. me feel really i've never spoken to her before i've never spoken to the dogs or stroked the dogs but oh god that really like made me feel so sad and like that little dog now is just gonna be all on his own or her own them and the owner have each other still yes that's true because what you're saying about like the pedigrees and the breeding of dogs the f1 f2 generation mm. At what point does a new breed of dog get recognised? I have no idea. Because I'm going back to the Crufts page here, and they've got stuff about you know pedigree dogs exposed when they're looking at the breeding practices. I don't know. But if we look at like historical Crufts, was there an entry for best cockapoo, and they didn't have mm, one? I doubt it. I don't know. I mean, they've got the list of best in show winners. I mean, I find it incredible that they all came from the wolf. And actually, Mm. there was a dog program on the BBC not so long ago, and it was talking about all the different breeds. And I think, you know the black and tan Dachshunds? Yeah. They were bred from a Doberman. And I think there's like one gene difference between the two, which is like astonishing considering how different they are. Yeah. It's really cool. Blimey. I know. Maybe it's one of those... X chromosomes. <laughs> Who knows? No, or why? Oh, why? <laughs> Some breeds in here which I've never heard of before, like the Basset Griffin Verdine. You've not heard that before? I, have you heard of the Petit Basset Griffin Verdine? I have, actually. I'm a bit of a Crufts, oh. Crufts fan. Oh, yeah, okay. They're lovely dogs. It's a charming fellow, yeah. They're very, very nice. They remind me of my dad's dog. I can't remember the breed, actually, but it looks like that. Dandy Dimmont, that's what it looks like. Dandy Dimmont. Dandy Dimmont. They're great. They re- they remind me of corgis, but longer and bigger heads. Um, but they were bred to go into badger holes. Mm, I've so. heard the same for sausage dogs, Daxons. Yeah, yeah, they were as well. Which it's it's hard to put that together with like chasing badgers, this stubby little thing. Badgers oh. are vicious though. Yeah. So seeing a dashend against. Oh, I wouldn't. It's mm. horrible. Oh, well, we're getting lots I love of badges. fun words at least. Dandy Dimnont. Yeah, Dandy. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Dandy. And they, because um, it's quite a historical breed, the Dandy Dimmonts. Mm. And so once a year, they have a Dandy Dimmont party up north somewhere where <laughs> owners of Dandy Dimmonts come together. Come on up to Dandy Dimnont party. Yeah, they do. It's great. Has a horrible accent. I apologize for it. Once, so when I got married, well, before I got married, I went to a wedding fair at Ashton Court. And I went to inside and, you know, finished up, walked around the house and on the big green, it was like the UK Dachshund Walking Society. 
there were hundreds of dachshunds like on the lawn. I <laughs> did not know what to do with myself. I think I just, just stood in the middle of the lawn, yeah. like mouth open, just to me, screaming. My children. <laughs> it I was great, now. and they all had something weird on them, like a weird bow or a spiky, glittery. Because they had, apart, I yeah, guess. it was. And then I, because I was just like lost my you know lost, your cool. <laughs> lost myself lost my cool and then they called everybody together to have a dash and photo and it was the best thing ever <laughs> and i honestly it was the best day of my life my friend who was with me just had to like pander to my dash and needs that day it was so much fun if you're gonna have a wedding fair having a giant <laughs> pile of dogs outside <laughs> i would yeah I would have my wedding anywhere if you told me there's going to be a pile of dogs nearby. And especially Dachshunds. Yeah. I mean, oh, it was so good. I love it. Because you get so many, like the speckled ones, the black and tan, the long hair, miniature, large. <laughs> oh, it was so your, good. Your and they dog all... knowledge is coming to the fore. I, I know. I'm a dog obsessed. We have, so what, we used to have Jasper the Bichon. He sadly mm-hmm. passed away. Um, and then my family have two Dachshunds and a Yorkshire Terrier. But it's a big, I actually think it's an Australian silky because Ooh. it came from a um, rescue home. And he's really, he's big for a Yorkshire Terrier. And he's got these massive ears and he's very fox-like. And he's got quite shiny gray fur on the top, on his back. Okay. Whereas Yorkies are usually quite dark gray. Hmm. But I don't know. This is a talking point in, in my family. And we argue about it. <laughs> Maybe there's a genetics service like 23andMe where you yeah. can send off, like, find out your genetic heritage. Send one yeah. for the dogs as well. <laughs> oh, he's a lovely dog. He's got some emotional problems, but he's a lovely dog. Oh, we've got some, again, breeds I've not heard of in the mm. past winners of Crufts. I feel like... I've seen this, that dog, though. Yeah, this looks like so many other dogs. It's just a generic, tall, brown dog, right? Yeah, the Vizsla or the giant Schnauzer. Oh, now, great dog. Schnauzers are brilliant. Schnauzers are great. The it giant Schnauzer. Yeah, giant. Oh. My mum saw one the other day. She said it was massive. How big do they get? Up to 47 kilos. Yeah. 70 centimetres in height. And that's quite large. Ooh. Oh, lovely, lovely dogs. Mm. I I really like miniature schnauzers. I'm a bit of a small dog fan, I have to that's, say. I feel like that's come out over the yeah. course of the conversation. <laughs> uh, maybe you'll enjoy the Sealyham Terrier. He's got a great fringe. Yeah, if you can't even see through it. Oh, wow. Oh, it's got a, a modern, well-groomed show dog. That reminds me. So, for those of you who can't see the wiki page, it's completely shaved on top. And then on its belly, it's got like a curtain. Like, you know, like the tassels that like float on the bottom t- of a sofa. Yeah. It's got like that, hasn't it? Yeah. And it remind, reminds me of like, you know, Aristocats, the yes. Disney film. Very well. When the kittens jump on the footstool, which is pink, and it's got the tassels around the edge. It looks like that. Wow. Very vivid image there. <laughs> a very vivid image. And there's some Hollywood history for the breed as well. Not just that they look like the tassels from an animated film, but apparently Terry is owned by... Humphrey Bogart, Betty Davis, Elizabeth Taylor, mm, Agatha Christie, Cary Grant. Wow, a lot of people. Alfred Hitchcock had two in suspicion. Yeah, this is this is a Hollywood dog you've got there. Princess Margaret. Now the British royal family also favoured these dogs. King George. Oh, no, she did. She had two. Princess Queen. Margaret had two. A queen mother looked after them when Prince Margaret was ill. 
for a name that I'd never heard of before, it turns out that the rest of the world, or at least famous people, have been all over them. How would you even pronounce that? Celiam. Celiam. Like William. William. But for dogs. (laughs) If you could have a dog, what breed? Like, consequence-free. I'd like... I feel like I'd like an independent dog. A dog that was able to communicate its own wants and needs. <laughs> like a Shiba Inu, I've heard, has a very strong sense of character and will make its opinions known. But, like you say, the time and space yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Certainly wouldn't have room for an Irish wolfhound. No. There was one dog at the show, um, English Sheepdog crossed with a Newfoundland. Ooh. Sheepdogs are dying out. Are they? Yeah, no one wants them anymore. Oh dear. Yeah. I'm so sure someone will do They're too big and too hairy. I'm sure trends will change and someone will Probably. do a rescue effort. Because, I mean, if there's a place for Irish wolfhounds, which are the biggest and hairiest, short of, again, a purebred Newfoundland, I saw one of those, actually, when we were in Norway years and years and years ago. We walked into a shop, my dad was after a hat, and we were pottering around, looking at all the hats, and we just hear this, Ooh! from behind the counter, and there's this, this rug is shouting at us. <laughs> And the owner says, oh, don't worry about him. He's only a baby. And it's seven oh, foot long. My word. It's a seven foot long, hairy baby. That's too big. A big dog. I would love, like, a representative for the channel. I think that would be cute. A mascot. You can go out filming with us. It will probably up our subscriber. It probably Count would. by quite a lot. But would you have to then try and keep it off the puffins? There's no dogs allowed on the no. on the island. It's a funny, I, funny place to be, actually, because... You have to buy a boat fee, you have to buy a landing fee, and you only get four and a half hours on the island, and then you have to come off. Unless you're a member, then you're allowed to stay in the lodge on the island, but, yeah, they're very strict. Hmm. You very, humans are very much a visitor yeah. to nature there. Like, you're, you're allowed in, you're allowed a peek into the, the secret life of what lives there, but you are a guest, and that is it. And you have to stick to the path at all times. You can't stray from the path. A lot of areas are like blocked off. And like that sounds very restrictive, but it's an, the most wonderful experience. Like everywhere you walk, there's something to see. And it's, yeah, it's a fantastic place to be. But yeah, it's very, it's not. It sounds not like they've wonderful. monetized it quite well. Yeah, but at least it's for a good cause. True. Like it's a it's a big nature reserve and the money, especially the landing fees, going to the trust so they can pay people to actually look after it and there's research stations. So it was an expensive trip. I mean, for the two of us, our boat trip and the landing fee was £42. So, because we wanted to go twice, but we were like, oh, that's actually a bit too much money. Yeah. Um, so we only went once. But it was great and I would go again, absolutely, because, I mean, we, four and a half hours not a long amount of time we only made it around half the island Blimey. and so we missed like the section where apparently you could see seals because we were just having too much fun because there was like a section where there was short eared owls you had like the razor bills you had the puffins there was this wildflower that grew all over like a thick carpet called mm. red campion fuchsia pink in color beautiful it was all in bloom and so you're walking along these Paths just surrounded by pink flowers and birds and yeah, it's wonderful. Well, maybe we can look forward to a uh, seal video from Skoma yes. for the next one. Yeah, I really want to do a seal video. 
I think that actually makes a nice little point for us to leave off on because we've been recording for a while. We've got lots of animal history and <laughs> now we've got some animal future yeah. to look forward to as well. Yeah, yeah. If people do want to see more of your videos, what would be a good place for them to start? So I would start on YouTube. So literally type in Bristol Nature Channel. You'll find our channel and all our videos are on there and subscribe if you enjoy it because then you'll get notifications for when we release. And then we've got Twitter. So our handle's Bristol Natchan, we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook. Well, thanks very much for having us right, today thanks. and uh, for all for of these me. wonderful dogs. Yes. <laughs> go home and tell everyone about them. Just look at all of these dogs. Exactly. And I'm going to use trunk now for quite, uh, <laughs> quite often. Okay, it's, it's time for me to leave. I think so. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us and we'll uh, see you again next time. Bye.